In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Tonight, the church remembers and gives thanks to God for the witness of St. Lucia. As I mentioned on Sunday, St. Lucia is especially beloved among our Lutheran brothers and sisters in Scandinavia, in those countries at the very top of Europe. And part of that stems from her name, interestingly enough, Lucia, which is from the Latin word for light. In your mental world map, recall that the Scandinavian countries are pretty far north in the latitudes of the world, where it gets pretty dark pretty early this time of year. And before Pope Gregory I corrected the calendar to its present form, St. Lucia's Day was actually the shortest day of the year. So Lucia, Saint Light, if you will, is often depicted with a wreath of candles on her head. Little girls in Scandinavia often dress up on St. Lucia's Day with candles on their heads. Not really a practice that I'm willing to try with my own children, but your mileage may vary. But there is a much more compelling reason why the church from ancient times has remembered this saint. So let's set the stage a little bit. St. Lucia lived during the end of the 3rd century into the beginning of the 4th century AD. This was during the reign of the Roman Emperor Diocletian, who is mostly remembered for the intense wave of persecution that was carried out by his orders begun in the year 303 AD. Diocletian reigned at a time of decline in the Roman Empire, and he saw himself as the one who would restore Rome to its former glory. As Christianity in those days was still a minority, but growing religion in the empire, the blame for all of the misfortunes facing the empire was placed squarely on Christians. And so the persecution began. This is the context of the life of St. Lucia, who lived in Syracuse, which is on the modern-day island of Sicily, that little ball island that the boot of Italy is kicking into the Mediterranean Sea. She was born to a wealthy, noble family. Her uh, father died when she was very young. She decided not to marry, deciding to remain a virgin instead and to de dedicate her whole life to Christ, which included giving the dowry that her father left for her when she would get married to the poor. However, in the meantime, not knowing this, her mother had actually betrothed her to be married to a wealthy young pagan bachelor. Lucia, in the meantime after that, distributed her entire dowry to the poor. And, the when, and when the man to whom she was betrothed found out, he was quite understandably angry. Lucia had given away treasure that he saw belonged to him. And so, he denounced her as a Christian, and she was executed as a Christian in accordance with imperial policy at the time. The life of St. Lucia, though short, points us to Christ in two ways. First, her dedication to living her life for Christ, and second, her dedication to suffering all, even death, rather than falling away from her Savior. So 
Let's take the first point first. We'll talk about her dedication to living her life for her Savior. We do not live in a culture today that places a lot of value on virginity and chastity as an expression of total dedication to Jesus. There are probably several reasons why that might be, but I think there are probably two that face us as Lutheran Christians. First, the gift of celibacy obviously is not given to everyone. In fact, I would argue that it's probably very rare. This is why St. Paul tells us that it's better to marry a spouse than to burn with passion. It's part of our created nature, part of how God put us together to leave father and mother and to hold fast to a spouse. Second, we Lutherans have always lived in a context that sees celibacy as something that grows out of monasticism. They would take vows of chastity before they would become monks or nuns in the medieval church, which is not really compatible with what the Bible teaches about how we are to live in service to the ones that God has placed around us. Rather than fleeing away from the world, locking ourselves into chambers, and simply devoting our entire time to prayer. However, it might be best to see Lucia's single-minded focus on her Savior as a natural outgrowth of what the Scriptures actually teach. We heard Jesus, for instance, warn us against allowing riches and other worldly entanglements that might even include our own families from preventing us from entering through the eye of the needle that leads to heaven. Recall his words from our gospel reading. Everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Using what Jesus says in Matthew 10, we can understand this even better. He says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Family is a good gift from God, but we should not forget that it is the gift that points us to the giver of the gift, that the gift is not the good in and of itself. Now, the second way that St. Lucia points us to Jesus was in her dedication to suffering all, even death, rather than to fall away from her Savior. I have to admit that this way in which our sister points us to Jesus is, for me, the most compelling reason to sit up and to pay attention to martyrs like St. Lucia from the early church. She was martyred specifically because she was a Christian. She was denounced as a Christian. She was given the opportunity to recant. She refused and was put to death. To think about Jesus' words from the gospel reading again in light of that puts a new spin on what Jesus says. Lucia indeed left everything, even her own life, for the sake of Jesus Christ. So let me put it to you this way. What's something that everyone is afraid of happening to them from a very young age? From the way I often hear people talk about it, it is to be considered different 
And that being different from everyone else would lead to being ostracized and left out from all of the, the things that are happening in this life. We generally don't want people to think that we're weird or different. Consider this argument that I've heard so many times that I can hardly count anymore. Many people think of homeschooling as a rather odd choice, especially for Christians. But why? You've heard this argument before. Maybe you even have even said this. Because they'll argue that children need to be socialized, right? You've heard that before. But what does that even mean? It seems to me that the goal is so that people don't think that our kids are weird. But consider this. Where did your kids pick up most of their bad habits? Now, I won't deny that I am sometimes a bad influence on my children, and I often hear them coming, I often hear myself coming out of their mouths when they speak. But far and away, the things that they do and say, and, I, and the things that I hear from my children that I don't really appreciate are often behaviors that are not demonstrated in the home. Dear saints, you have been called to live your life differently from the way that the world does. You are called to live a life in conformity to the Ten Commandments as exemplified in the life of our Savior Jesus. This is certainly going to make the world look at you like you're weird. Our ethics on marriage, gender, sexuality, life, property, and so on and so forth on down the list are radically different from the world's ethics. There's really no getting around that. Case in point, our National Congress just passed in both the Senate and the House a bill to codify so-called same-sex marriage, and President Biden signed it into law just yesterday. And so I would think that that indicates to us that we are now in the minority in this country when it comes to this radical redefinition of marriage and how we see it as incredibly dangerous. And if you don't think that this bill will affect how our Christian institutes operate, including our schools, our colleges, our hospitals, and our human care agencies, I think you're frankly fooling yourself. How long will it be before the same kind of people that go after cake bakers and florists go after Christian schools for teaching that marriage is between a man and a woman and be announced as un-American and shut down? St. Lucia reminds us that our citizenship is not in this world. Though we live and operate in it, our fidelity, our faithfulness to Christ and his word leads to an inheritance of eternal life. We, who are considered last in this world, are reckoned by God Almighty to be the first. We, who are last in this world, are considered by God to be great in his kingdom. Lucia, Saint Light, lights the way to Christ, who has washed our robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb 
that we might be in the presence of God forevermore, where he will shelter us with his presence from harm and from danger from now and forevermore. No scorching heat of persecution or being called weird will touch us in Christ's heavenly kingdom. For he himself has borne such mockery and insults at the hands of those he came to save. Therefore, dear saints, let's look at St. Lucia and take courage. When others mock and revile you for Jesus' sake and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on his account, rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets, the apostles, St. Lucia, and Jesus, who were before you. They have entered into their eternal reward, and if we are willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel, Christ will by no means put us to shame. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.